together and everybody who volunteered this week. Stand up, please. We just want to say thank you. That was a fun, fun week. You guys can be seated. Thank you. We had a wonderful turnout. Of course, we had the rocket ship here last week, and I heard kids all throughout the week walking in. They'd look in the doors, and they'd go, whoa, look at that. This one little girl told me, there's a rocket ship in there. And I said, I know, I know, that's amazing, huh? She said, yeah. I said, have you ever seen a rocket ship before? Anticipating the answer would be no. And she said, yeah. And I said, oh, well, well, good, good. But she was just so excited to get close to one, you know? So sometimes with those little kids, you just, you know, they're just in awe, and you're not exactly sure why. So that happened to me. So, okay, um, we're going to finish our series on rest today, so... The rest of the story, we're wrapping that up with part four today, and thankfully we were blessed this week by such a wonderful time of the community coming together to work hard for our vacation Bible school. That is absolutely what we should be doing, Uh, and maybe some of you really need uh, this rest and this connection with Jesus this weekend as you're being restored from all of that work that you put in. Uh, I want to just give two quick announcements uh, before we get into our text and into our message. So the first one is this. Uh, It's on the front of your bulletins, but there is a special picnic today. And if you're a guest of ours, if you're a newcomer, uh, if you've started coming just recently, or if you're here for the first time today, we'd love to invite you to come to this picnic. I will be there, and I would love to meet you personally. And so what we've got is some address cards to the little park. Uh, that's just a couple miles from here where all of this good uh, burgers and dogs and stuff is being cooked and, and made ready. And it starts at 1030 and it goes to one o'clock and it's a come and go event. So if you're a guest or a newcomer, please come see me and get one of these. We'd love to invite you. And if you're one of our Home Point families, if you're raising children in your home, you've already received an invitation, but more of these address cards are in the Home Point Center right there in the back so you can get one and participate today. Uh, it starts right after Bible class. And then the second thing, in your bulletin, you'll notice that uh, we have a new member spotlight, Jason Robles and his family. They're going to be at second service today, uh, but sometimes Jason and his kids attend first service. So I want you to take note of the member spotlight and be ready to welcome them uh, since they've placed membership here the next time you see them. And we hope you'll take uh, the time to get to know them. So God's blessing us through uh, an enormous number of baptisms of our youth in this church, 18 in the last couple of weeks. God is moving uh, through some new memberships. It's wonderful, and, it's, and the spirit here is great. So why don't we uh, go to God in prayer for a moment, and then we'll get into our message this morning. Lord, we are grateful to you uh, for all of the efforts extended in VBS, um, from the wonder in those children who see the rocket ship and get excited about it, but then who had the opportunity to learn about uh, Jesus, to learn about some of the great biblical heroes that they learned about this week. And God, we thank you for uh, the baptisms uh, that have been taking place amongst our youth. We thank you for the new memberships uh, that are being placed here. We thank you that people want to participate, not just to be here in worship, but to, but to worship in a heartfelt and spiritual way. And not just to be here and, and partake in VBS, but to serve in a heartfelt and spiritual way. God, we thank you for that. And we pray that all of this is to your glory, that you will make your name uh, well-known in Northwest Arkansas through these small efforts that we offer. And we pray that today you'd be with us as we encounter Scripture and that you would lead us as we read it. And it's in Christ we pray. On all who agree, say, amen. Okay. 
Today, as we conclude this series, uh, we're in part four, and, and we're calling this the rest of Jesus' story. I've challenged all of us in the last few weeks to think about how our rhythms of work and rest, uh, that w- the decisions that we make as individuals, impacts our families and our church and our community and our offices. And today, we want to just shift gears, maybe downshift a little, and for a few minutes, meditate on some of the promises of Scripture about Jesus' relationship with us. Because there is a rest that we all need that has more to do with the soul than it does the work week. And so today we're going to talk about this spiritual rest in Christ. And whether you have never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, if you've never been baptized uh, into Christ and you don't have that relationship with him, this is for you today. But if you made that decision within the last few weeks... This is for you today because you're, right now you're growing in your maturity and you were just baptized recently and you want to know more about what it is to step into this rest with Jesus. And if you were baptized you know, 40, 50 years ago or more, I, I probably shouldn't ask, but I would be curious to know, you know how many of those multiple generations back baptisms we've got in the church. This is still for you because we're always renewing this understanding of what Christ promises us. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through three brief questions this morning. They're going to they're gonna kind of move fast. So if you're taking notes, you know, just jot those into the blanks and we'll keep on moving. All of these slides are on our blog for you if you need to go back and see them again. But three brief questions. And the first one is, where do you find it? So we're going to ask, where do you find this rest in Jesus? And then I'm going to answer these next two questions also. How do you enter it? And what will God do in it? So that's what we're going to do today. How, uh, where do you find it? How do you enter it? And what will God do in it? So let's get started in Matthew 11 and 12. Uh, in fact, Matthew 11:28 is where we'll begin. And so I would love it if you would open up your Bibles or the app on your phone, whatever you use to read the scriptures, and follow along this morning. Because even though I've got them on the screen, uh, you may discover some more than even what I've discovered as you look at them and as you meditate on them in your own Bible and as you go back to them later this week to review these. So Matthew 11 and verse 28 is what Jeff read to us just a few minutes ago. And I want us to read it again, but I want you to notice something as we move through it. And this is what I want you to notice, and you can jot this down if you want. Jesus is giving some prepared comments when he when he makes this statement, he says, come to me, you who are weary. He's giving some prepared comments. I don't know if it was a sermon per se, but it was a message that he had prepared. And you can see how carefully he did it as we move through this. So Jesus begins this way. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I bet many of you this morning can relate to the heavy burdens part of this message. There is something in your life, whether you've been in Christ for years or not, there is something right now in this season that is a burden to you. It might be the health of a family member, it might be your job situation, but it might be other kinds of things that get in in the way of the rest with Jesus. It may be a sin in your life that you know about. It might be a relationship that is broken. It might be that you have just had 
your own kind of health problem or a mental cycle you've been having trouble breaking and it's anxiety or it's worry or it's physical discomfort or something like that. And in the middle of this, you're carrying this heavy burden and you want to bring it to God. You would love to drop it off at his feet, but the question is, how, how does that work? And so Jesus says, come to me. That's the key. That's the answer to this. I'm giving the answer away early. He says, come to me. You can't just come to a pattern. You can't just come to a style of church or of worship. You can't even just come to church or worship, but you need to come to the living person who is Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord, who is still alive and who in the spirit right now, this morning, can connect with you in a personal relationship because he will put his Holy Spirit in you when you meet him in the waters of baptism. He will put his spirit in you again if it is far from you because you've been far from him. Come near to God and he will come near to you. He wants to connect with you and he says, come to me. If you have a burden, and I will give you rest. Now look at what Jesus is doing with me. Jesus is using his Bible as he shares this thought with the people of his day. He isn't coming up with comments that he made up on the fly. This entire prepared message or sermon by Jesus comes from his, his Bible, what we call the Old Testament. Here's a few brief examples of what he is doing. Exodus 33:14 reads this way. And God said, "My presence will go with you and I will give you rest." Jesus quotes from this directly. And I would recommend in your bulletin just write the word quote right next to where this verse is located. Just write quote because you want to come back later and see how Jesus uses the Bible to teach and to enforce and to give hope to people and to defend these ideas and to give assurance to people he uses scripture to do it. Jesus doesn't give you platitudes. He doesn't give you hopeful axioms. He gives you Bible promises. When he says, come to me and I will give you rest, he quotes the very words of God. And notice what God had said. He said, my presence will go with you. This is a sermon within a sermon, and we don't have time for it today, but someday we'll do this one about the presence of God in the Old Testament that goes with the people and the revelation of Jesus Christ that takes place when the presence of God is with his people. And so maybe even you could understand that Jesus has always been the one fulfilling this promise. The Son has always been the presence with the people of God that was giving them rest both in the Old and the New Testament. Check out uh, the next verse in, in his message. Jesus goes on to say this, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls, not just rest for your bodies from the work week, but you'll find deep soul rest when you meet with the humble Lord Jesus he quotes here from another Old Testament passage and alludes to one more. So, from Jeremiah 6, 16, Jesus quotes from the scriptures where God had said, if the people would choose these ancient paths, if they would choose God's ways, you will find rest for your souls. And Jesus pulls this into his message because he knows his Bible and he defends these things with scripture. And then he alludes to Numbers 12, 3, Jesus remembers that Moses was the prophet in Israel when many of these things were written down. 
uh, when the Sabbath laws were put in place in Israel, when rest was established legally. And so in verse 3, we read this little note that was put into the scriptures by, uh, by the author of this book. And whenever they were writing it, they thought, you really needed to know this about Moses' personality. Who was the man Moses? And so they wrote this in there. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. And Jesus remembered, just like any of the rabbis would or the Jewish people who knew the scriptures, that it was promised over and over in the Old Testament that another prophet like Moses, one of his same character, but deeper and wider and richer in his personality would come to the people. He would be the true prophet that would free Israel and that would give them rest forever, rest for their souls. And that prophet is Jesus Christ. He's the one that came more humble than even Moses himself, although filled with more power. He is the one who always gave rest. And he is the one that still gives rest. And he's the only one that will do it with great humility. And that is going to be so important when we look at our second passage of Scripture today. Because we're going to look at one more sermon before we're done. And in that sermon, some really frightening things happen. But only a humble and powerful Lord could be trusted to do what we're going to read about in the book of Hebrews in just a few minutes. Are you with me, church? Are you awake? Okay, all right, here we go. Jesus finishes in this way. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Amen, and thank you, Jesus. This is what Jesus is doing in this message. Jesus makes a a thinly veiled, because he uses all this scripture the people would recognize, claim to his divinity by fulfilling these passages. And in your bulletin, there's a place there where you can write uh, claim next to this next verse we're going to read. This is in the next chapter. It's in Matthew chapter 12. And so between what we just read and this verse on the screen, there are a couple of stories where the people misunderstand the reason for Sabbath rest. They think it is a legal condition to keep And they forget the heart of the law, which is that when we connect with the humble and powerful Lord, we should be so restored deeply in our souls that we show great compassion to others. And they've been missing the point. And Jesus, after those two stories, says this, the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Every pretense that people will ever try to stick on you, every legal thing they will try to hold you to, it doesn't matter how they apply things in their life, no matter what people expect of you, all of the rules and regulations that God has put in place that are for your health, whatever they may be, are for your good because the powerful and humble Lord made them and rules them so that you can have restoration in your life, not just so that you will go through endless circles of guilt when you have trouble keeping them. God wants to deliver rest to you. And when Jesus says all of these things, he's making a claim to his divinity because no one in the Bible, in the Old Testament Bible, could give rest to the people but God alone. No one's presence could go with them but God alone. No one's ways were the ancient ways but God's ways. And Jesus claims all of these in his message and says, I'm the one who will give them to you. Here's the first thing we've learned. Deep rest for your soul comes not from mere downtime. It's not just time off, although that's really helpful. But through the gospel rest of the presence 
of God. This is the good news rest of the presence of God. And when you find him, when you connect with him, you'll have rest for your soul. Let's keep moving to our next question. How do you enter it? You want it, but how do you enter it? And let me say this before we continue. I can't tell you in in this one message everything you need to do because God has a message for you. There's something in your life you need to repent of to enter into it. There's something in your life you need to lay down at his feet to enter into it. But I can give you some basics. Uh, you, you may be familiar with um, the old, uh, the way that we would say the plan of salvation, that you need to hear good news. Well, guess what? Today you're hearing some good news and that you need to believe it. You need to repent of your sins. You need to confess before God and you need to enter into baptism. And all of those are still true because those are the things you need to do to get into it. And we want to look at just a little deeper look at one scripture this morning that talks about entering into it. So in Hebrews 3 and 4, there is a beautiful passage. And yes, turn there in your Bibles. Turn there right now, Hebrews chapter 3. There is a beautiful passage about rest that connects the Old Testament to the new promises, the new covenant that Justin spoke about, the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. And it connects these in a way that you can see how you can enter in. So uh, we're going to start in Hebrews 4. And even though this Uh, This whole passage takes place in chapters 3 and 4. We don't have time to read all of it this morning. And so in chapter 4, verse 8, we're going to jump into the middle of the conversation. And I'd recommend you go read the whole two chapters later if you want. But just like Jesus' message was a prepared message, what Jesus said when he said, come to me, I'll give you rest, was a message or a sermon. He'd prepared and he'd use Old Testament scriptures. The book of Hebrews, of all of the letters, is the most like a sermon. It has 33 direct quotations from the Old Testament in it to show that the author who wrote the sermon called Hebrews and mailed it to some Christians was not making stuff up, but he was relying on the holy promises of God through Scripture. And so in verse 8 of chapter 4, we jump into the conversation like this. For if Joshua had given them rest, in other words, he, Joshua, one of the leaders that came after Moses could not give them the deep rest of the soul. Joshua could not deliver to them the presence of God. It can't happen through Moses. It has to happen through the the later, greater prophet, Jesus. And it couldn't even happen through Joshua. And here's a funny thing. Moses is the prophet that Jesus is the complete fulfillment of. Joshua has the same name as Jesus. One is just Hebrew and one is Greek. So both of these guys are like a prototype of Jesus, but he gives the true full rest. If Joshua could have given them rest, but he couldn't, God would not have spoken of another day later on. And so then, this is the promise, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. But understand what the author is doing. He isn't saying, although we've been talking about Sabbath for weeks now and and that idea, he isn't saying that the new covenant people of God have to keep a legal Sabbath. He's saying there's a promise of spiritual rest, of deep soul rest for the people of God that you can still get into today. And then he says this, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And guys, I am t- I'm telling you right now, pay deep attention, go study it on your own if you want, but he is not saying that taking the day off of work for a Saturday or whatever is the way you enter into God's deep spiritual rest. That's just the first step of having a health- healthy life balance. 
He's saying that there is a work under the work, that there is something that you carry with you all the time, and I carry too, and it is called ego, or it is called pride, or it is called self-esteem or lack of self-esteem that we walk around with, and we're always trying to justify ourselves, and we're always trying to prove that we're good enough in our career or for our family or for the Lord, and we never feel quite good enough. And so this is the promise, that whoever enters God's rest rests from his works. But this is what the promise uh, means. I'll come back to that verse in a minute. The promise means that whoever enters God's rest and, and rests from his works stops justifying himself. He stops trying to be good enough for God and he begins to just trust that God's good enough for all of us. Amen, church. And then he is freed in the rest that God gives to do all the good things that God had planned for him to do anyway. But you will never be able to do it just by trying to justify yourself. Let me back up and show you the scripture. In John 6, Jesus had actually commented on this idea. The people asked Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What do we got to do, Jesus? And Jesus answers in this way. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent that you would believe me and come to me so that you could have rest, that is the good news. And then when you believe me, you'll be able to do things that matter. Why is it that people get rebaptized? Some of them say, well, I didn't know what I was supposed to do early on, right? I didn't get it. This is the reason people get rebaptized. This is what's really underneath it. They come to Jesus at a point in their life and they realize when I did it before, I was trying to earn my salvation. I was trying to work my way into salvation. I was just doing what people told me. I was doing what my friends were doing. I was doing something because that was just what was presented that you should do. And I wasn't really giving my life to Jesus as Lord of my life. And I want to believe that not only is he the son of God, but that means he is Lord of all and that he's Lord of my life. And that's the real reason that people get rebaptized is because they come to Christ and they realize, wow, I need him to reign. I need to believe in him. And here's the funny thing. You don't get credit. Now, okay, let me back off and say this. But in life, you know this is true, with your spouse or whatever, you don't get credit for doing something just because you were lucky, right? You don't get something. You get credit for doing something because of love. Let me illustrate it. Let me give you an illustration. I don't want that to sound too harsh. One time I go to the store for Jenna and she wants orange juice because she's not feeling well and she's got a sore throat, so I buy orange juice. And I look at all of the orange juices and I think, I have no idea which orange juice she likes. And so I look at them and I think, well, which one looks best? And, and based on the branding and the amount of pulp, I pick the one that I thought might be best. And I go home and I set it on the counter and, babe, here's your orange juice. And she opens it and she says, and she holds it up like this to her heart and she says, you know, she's touched. And she's like, you know the orange juice that I love. And I was, you know, and what did I say to her? I was like, you know it, baby. Come on in for a hug, right? 
no. I mean, I wanted to, right? But I had to be honest. And so I was like, actually, I just got lucky, right? And what's the point? You don't get credit for that. She's like, oh, you just picked it off. Oh, okay, well, thanks. You know, it goes in the fridge. Okay, well, thanks for getting it. You don't get credit for luck. You get credit for love. And so if it isn't love, it's luck. And that's what people often feel whenever they were baptized and they didn't know it, is they're like, I got lucky to do the right thing, but it wasn't love for Christ. I want to come to him and know him and lay my burdens down. And so this is kind of what happens. We need to stop doing the work under the work. Let God do the work, and we'll trust him in it. And so finally, what will God do? And this is where we finish today. What will God do in it? When you come to him, when you believe in Christ, when you come to him for the personal relationship, when you've heard the good news and you're repenting of the thing in your life and you're confessing it and you're baptizing to Christ or else you were and so you're being restored by confessing and repenting again, what is God gonna do in it? And this is the frightening part. This is why you need a humble and all-powerful Lord. Hebrews 4, 11 to 16. So open up in your Bibles and this is where we'll finish. Hebrews 4, 11 through 16, and I want to read you this from my Bible this morning. We're going to start in verse 11, and this is um, a really important part about rest in Hebrews. So, verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let's try to get into it. And we just learned that the way we get into it is by resting from our own justification. So let's try to trust God is what the author is saying. Let us try to enter in. Let's try to lay down our own attempts to make ourselves good in the sight of God and enter in in the simple ways that Jesus said. Come to Christ. Verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. How many times have you heard this passage in your life? The word of God is living and active. And it's a great statement about the scriptures and it's a great statement about Jesus Christ. But did you know it had to do with rest? Did, did anybody ever show you? Did you, in your reading, maybe you've discovered this, that it has to do with rest. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In other words, when you come to Christ, the living word, what happens is he rips you open spiritually and everything you were hiding inside gets shown under the light to God. The whole world is, is exposed to him and he sees the work under the work that you've been hiding, the sin that you've been hiding, and the thing that you've been holding on to that you didn't want to give over to him, and the fact that you didn't really want to love him or, or trust him or go to him, you just wanted to obey some things, and it's all exposed when the word opens you up. And why? That's terrifying. You need a good, humble, and powerful Lord to make that okay. Because what he's saying is that whoever rests in Jesus is open and exposed by the word. You, get, you just get open up. The real inner life is laid bare. And that's terrifying for anyone to know who you really are. For anyone, even God, to know who you really are. And so, let me finish by reading these verses to you. I'm going to read verses 14 to 16, and then the invitation is yours. If you need to respond to Christ today, will you come and share it, and let us pray with you. We'll have elders in the front, and we'll have some in the back as well. We'd be happy to baptize you today into Christ. We'd be happy to pray with you for restoration, whatever it is that your soul needs. But listen to these words. In fact, stand with me if you would, and I'm going to read these verses. Stand with me, and we'll read these from the end of this passage. God has laid you bare. He's opened you up. And then... The word says this, 
Since then, we have a great high priest. Amen, church? Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Do not give up. For we do not have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses that he just opened up to the world, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. So he's humble and he's powerful and he can see what's in you and he can handle it. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Amen, church. Amen. The invitation is yours if we can help respond while we sing this song. Just